It's a birthday weekend to remember as Carlos Sainz has taken pole position ahead of Ferrari's home race by one hundredth of a second. Welcome to Grid Talk. Today we're here to review the 2023 Italian Grand Prix qualifying at Monza. My name is Ruby Price and joining me we have Grid Talk co-host Tom Horrocks. Hello. Hit the apex is Jawad Yacoub. G'day. And from EF1 and Formula Talk, Sophia Richmond. Hi. So before we get into the episode, we must thank our sponsor for this week's episode, Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So it was Forza Ferrari once again at the Temple of Speed, and yet again we have pole positions decided by the closest of margins. But starting at the back then, let's talk about the Aston Martins. Lance Stroll had no running on Friday um, and managed a whopping P20 on those hard tyres. But his veteran teammate Fernando Alonso at least got through to Q3 and on the soft tyre qualified P10. Tom Horrocks, is this damage limitation for Aston Martin who last weekend returned to the podium for the first time since Canada? I think so, unfortunately. Unfortunately for Aston Martin, it's uh, it, it was kind of green shoots of recovery and a little bit masked by the conditions in the last race. But I was confident that they seemed to have... I, I think they kind of went a bit down a cul-de-sac of development that, that didn't seem to work for them. But but looking at, at the way they've they've been today, uh, they've not really shown anything all weekend. And and for only a, a P10 for Alonso was just, I mean, he, he got progressively quicker and, and, but his, his Q3 time was only a 10th of a second quicker than his Q2 time. And from the transition from the medium to the hard tires, that's not good enough. So I don't know if there's something fundamentally wrong with that car, not working on the hard tire or, but we saw in the hands of his teammate is, um, Alonso got a 122.0 in Q1 and, and Stroll was a 122.8. And I've gone back on and looked at his, at his onboard and apart from, you know, being habitually told by his engineer that he needs to watch his delta, he needs to speed up. Apart from that, it was a perfectly good lap. You know, apart from a little twitch coming through one of the chicanes, it looked like it was a fairly decent lap. He had a, a decent gap to Russell, so he'd get a bit of a bit of a toe on the on the back straight towards um, Alberto or Parabolica. But um, it just had to get on in. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just a bad lap and just a bad session overall for 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 both Aston Martins. Unfortunately, even you know even Fernando Alonso, if he'd have made the the step he should have made. He still would have only been a P nine. He was still he was over half a second behind George um, Lando Norris. Sorry, in in Q three. So even making the appropriate step on the on the soft tyres, he'd probably still end up in P ten. So yeah, just a just a bad bad session overall for Aston Martin. Yeah, generally they do tend to perform better on the on the Sundays and the Saturdays, and we have seen you know Fernando Alonso pull out some pretty. Um, you know, spectacular race pace so far this season. But ahead of Stroll in P19, then is Haas, is Kevin Magnussen, his teammate Hulkenberg qualified P13. Jared, it's been a season of Haas doing better on a Saturday than a Sunday. So if that is the case, do you see that continuing tomorrow or can Haas pull off a shock and make their way into the points? We laugh. Yeah, that's pretty much the reaction. Um not really, no. I just feel really underwhelmed by Haas and the announcement as well that they've retained this uh, same driver lineup heading into next year is like, um, 
yeah, it's 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 conservative. It's boring. Um, again, they're suffering for the lack of in-season developments. They're one of those teams that, you know, do for whether it's financial reasons or they just don't have the resources to be able to bring upgrades like other teams do that they're fighting with in the in the back half of the the midfield. But yeah, you know, typically we've seen Nico Hulkenberg perform on a Saturday, get into the top ten. Not the case this time. Kevin Magnuson out again in Q1. It's, yeah, and then tomorrow I can, can't expect them getting anywhere near the points. Yeah, it would be a shock, to be fair, to see the Haas drivers, you know, in the points today. Well, tomorrow, in fact, because, you know, there are no points on uh, Saturdays unless it's a sprint. Um, but, you know, we've learned that to not do a sprint in Austria, despite the fact that it is the Temple of Speed, which would make sense for it to be, and I said Austria, um, I mean Monza. Um, but anyway, Sophia, uh, the Renault engine is visibly down on power. And after a podium for Pierre Gasly last time out in Zandvoort, he's only managed P17 ahead of his teammate Ocon in P18. Uh, they were line astern for their final attempts in Q1. What happened to the Alpines and can they improve tomorrow? Oh, in all reality, probably not. I mean, if we look back to even last week at Zandvoort with Ocon being out in Q1 as well, like it just, oh, it. I, I just don't understand how they've gone from a podium for one week and obviously one of the drivers out in Q1 to then also having both of the drivers out. Obviously, there was a lot of times being deleted a few times. And then um, I think towards the end as well, like Ocon pretty much snapped at the exit of the Ascari chicane so it was just like i th- i don't know i mean also to play around with it as well and what we mentioned it throughout this is about the um allocating tire formation as well that also has a big impact on braking and how um these drivers will kind of pretty much try to push for the fastest lap because obviously with softer tires you kind of break a lot um, a lot later than you would with hard tires so some of these drivers who didn't really have much chance running with hard tires throughout the practices or not enough to have really good um times to like kind of equate to qualifying did make it really difficult for them but Alpine I just I don't understand like they were kind of consistent throughout the season I mean obviously they've had a few slip-ups and everything look at Australia for example but at the same time, you would always kind of assume at least one of the Alpines would get into Q3. And the fact that both of them were out in Q1, off of the back again, Arcon out in Q1 last week as well. It's just not going good. I don't expect much for them, to be honest. I don't think that they will actually kind of get some points uh, for tomorrow. I think hopefully it's just damage limitations that they don't crash or have any incidences. I think if Alpine have any more incidents between the two drivers, you know, it's going to be like looking at, well, I mean, it could be looking like anything really, but generally any sort of team that's involved uh, Gasly for the last few years, there's been a lot of incidents there um, and they have continued this season. But as the the FIA have set the precedent for, that won't be an investigation because it's inter-team battles. Don't agree with that precedent. Happy to talk about that later. Um, but Tom Horrocks, it is looking like an old Jordan car is on the grid. Oh, wait, no, it's the Alfa uh, Romeos with some Italian branding. Um, doesn't appear to have made them any faster. Uh, Joe knocked out of qualifying by the blink of an eye and Valtteri Bottas starting P14. Um, not exactly the boring and bland that uh, Wayne mentioned in our preview, but is there any chance of the Alphas finishing in the points tomorrow? 
Uh, no, there isn't. But uh, I, I was, I, I was very pleased with with delivery. First, first scene delivery. I'm going to talk about delivery because there's not really much to talk about performance on track. But uh, it's it's a very nice striking delivery. It's I, I really quite enjoyed it. And then it was only seeing it on track, driving on the on the shot towards camera. I was like, huh. Jordan one nine four, and uh, yes, absolutely. I had, to, I had to just Google pictures just to make sure it wasn't my mind playing tricks on me. And yep, that's the nineteen ninety four Jordan of Rubens Barrichello jumping the barrier in Imola fame. It's uh, it's a very nice looking car, and uh, and unfortunately, that's probably the best thing we're going to have for them this weekend. Joe out in Q one, very very close to Nico Hulkenberg, but that's still not great you know it's uh and then Bottas wasn't much further up the road and and then didn't didn't even didn't even push on in Q2 it wasn't like they had they had um they had the pace and just a bad uh, a bad um end to the session they just that the pace they had that's unfortunately that's all they've got to offer and there's nothing really redeemable in that car it's not like you know with the Williams where it's got you know it's really fast in a straight line but it's lacking downforce or you know that kind of thing. There's nothing really about the Alpha team at the moment. It's just it's just a slow car. It's just in every area, it's under par. There's no, there's no redeeming features in that car apart from this one-off livery. So um, I, I'm all for that staying for the rest of the year, 100%. But uh, alas, it, it won't. But uh, yeah, that's all I've really got for Alpha. I'm afraid it's it's just a again just just a bad car. Uh, not a not a good look in what is essentially your home Grand Prix even though they're not technically Italian, but there we go. Yeah, it is, of course, like the, a Swedish team being the Sauber group, but, of course, Alfa Romeo being the um, primary, like, branding owner, I guess. Like, that is the, um, you know, that's the home influence at the very least. But um, in terms of teams bringing something special to Monza, Williams have actually brought a special rear wing for Monza, Joward, um, and it does appear to be working. Um, so it was actually no surprise that Sargent sounded so disappointed to be knocked out in Q2, um, especially when you consider that his teammate Albon managed P6 and yet again has been, uh, you know, consistently either P6 or P8 um, prior, uh, well, prior to the race starting. Um can the two cars get points and, you know, just how good is this performance from Alex Albon, bearing in mind that it is Monza? Uh, first of all, thanks, Sophia, for bringing up that stat about Alex's uh, qualifying results over the past year. Um, and, yeah, as far as their form is concerned, it was a bummer to see Sargent make a mistake on his final lap in Q2. Um, and finish last of the uh, bunch there. But, yeah, he was up as high as sixth, I think, in Q1. So it was just like, okay, you know, we could have both Williams in the top 10 again, provided Sargent doesn't crash like he did last week. Um, But I don't know if Logan can quite get into the top 10, depending on how the race pans out, but Albon definitely looks like a, a, a sure bet for that and even hearing Lewis Hamilton's comments in the media pen after qualifying he was saying you know in terms of top speed and and the speed trap the Williams is quicker you know with the Mercedes engine in the back of it the Williams is quicker than the Mercedes and the McLaren so the um, other two teams using the Mercedes power unit so you know typically on a Sunday you're like okay well the Williams is probably going to get swallowed up by the pack but Starting where he is at the starting where he is for with sixth, definitely think that you know he's going to cause some headaches for both the Mercedes 
and McLaren drivers. So really looking forward to it. And just in general, want to make a comment about the team principal, James Vowles. We saw some video of him earlier in the week giving a motivational speech to the team. And he's one of those inspirational leaders, I've got to say, that, you know, calming influence. It's the kind of person that you'd want to work for, get behind. And, you know, he's really taking this Williams team into a new era. And, yeah, it's it's looking pretty good. Probably the best feeling anyone's had about Williams for a long, long time after all the stuff that they've gone through in recent years. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, to, you know, plug another podcast, the Monkey Seat podcast on, uh, was it Monday or Tuesday? On Tuesday were, uh, of course, you know, singing the praises of Williams so far this season and looking like a team on the up. Um, but yeah, it's good to see them uh, at the, well, not at the front, of course, but, you know, like, getting closer to the front compared to, you know, fighting around for being the final team in the standings. Ultimately, you know, like that car, it just works around. (laughs) Uh, That team uh, works around Monza and we saw it last year with Nick DeVries subbing in. Um, But his team, uh, or former team, we should say, um, have become a staple of being at the back so far this season. But Sophia, they have managed P11 and P12. Uh, Liam Lawson was P20 this time last weekend, but P12 for the Kiwi is a great result, even with the more simple Monza circuit. Can the Red Bull sister team challenge for points tomorrow? To be fair, I think so. And I mean, even if they get one more point, they've now equal the amount of drivers they've had on the grid <laughs> for the season so far. They currently have three points. They've had four drivers. Um, I think this is also great representation of Lawson as well. Obviously, coming into Zandvoort, tricky conditions, last minute, didn't even get uh, all the free practices, only had FP3 and everything, and also had the instances in Zandvoort. So this was a really good indicator on how good Lawson is. And Lawson has a really good background in racing in a lot of the junior series, like a Formula 2, like a Formula 3. You're a Formula, like, I mean... He's had some crazy stats, like he's won the first race of his debut season every single series, obviously minus F1, because that was going to be really hard to do in Zandvoort. So I think it was really good. And he out-qualified Sonoda yesterday, well, out-finished Sonoda last week. So I think this is a great representation. Sonoda had some good chances a few times, kind of going, creeping up to the top of the leaderboard for it. But towards the end, it yeah, I, I think it's a great but, um, showcase for AlphaTauri. I think this is kind of where they're going to be and kind of battle out for those last couple points uh, towards the bottom of um, P10, P9 and all that. I do think, though, Lawson will outdo Sonoda again to make it two for two. I, I definitely think that is more possible. I mean, both of them have raced each other in support series, um, albeit obviously Lawson has taken a year out Um Lawson has been kind of in Formula One and everything. So they know the tracks very well and they know how to brake properly with it. They know where um, pretty much how to hit the track without any kind of faults. I don't think in Lawson's career he's had any major instances in Monza. I know Sonoda, I think, did back in uh, in the junior series as well a few years back. So they, I'm expecting at least a point or two. I'm hoping maybe both of them. P9, P10, but it was a great kind of showcase for it. And I obviously we know Daniel Ricardo probably will be. They say Singapore. I doubt it. I I just makes sense. I think probably Japan will probably be the best time that he will come back. So I think it's a great showcase and see what he can do also for the next following races. But 
so far he's impressed me, Lawson. Even look at Zanford and now look at how he's been doing um, this weekend so far. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Daniel Ricciardo, of course, the uh, current Alpha Tauri driver is away due to an injury. And for the um, his former team, the most recent winner um, at uh, Monza, of course, the McLarens. But it was a bit more sedate from them today as of recent weeks. Um, but a P9 and P7 for Norris and Piastri, respectively. Um, they have seemed to struggle with their relative pace this weekend, Tom Horrocks. Um but is that just because things are so quick around Monza that the tiniest gap, you know, is escalated? Or, you know, is it just McLaren not quite having the pace around here? Well, I think it's it's a bit of both. Um, and what you've got to look at as well is the last time they ran a low downforce setup, well, they couldn't run a low downforce setup because they actually didn't have one, which was for Spa. And and they've they've rushed through an up to update ready for this. This is the first time it's it's been in use. You saw them having Flovis out even in P3. I think they had uh, Flovis on the car. So I think this is just a case of them trying to trying to you know, consolidate and confirm all their data. Um, it's obviously a step forward because their low downforce setup uh, you know, would have been very bad in Spa compared to what they actually did with the high downfall setup. So obviously it looks like we're going to get a dry weekend, uh, which is great. Um, so so that's good from that front. But I think, yeah, it, it's just a case that they don't, they haven't got everything quite in alignment when it comes to their high speed performance yet. I mean, Hamilton in, in Silverstone was, was saying how fast they were in a straight line, but that was more how fast they were going through Maggots and Beckett's and then they were, unable to catch up on the hangar straight so it's i think it was it's more that their down their high downfall stuff is phenomenal at the moment which obviously we've um we've seen in previous races but their low downforce not quite there yet this upgrade is a step in the right direction but given the tracks we've got left for the rest of the season i mean apart from vegas there's not really much in there that you know is going to reward that kind of setup anyway so um so i think they've done the right thing in not prioritizing this prioritizing that type of uh of of philosophy and just go with the majority of the races so this one uh despite my prediction of a norris p2 which we'll ignore uh is uh it's probably not going to work for them this weekend but just maximize the point situation there i mean look, they're the team that they're closest to in the constructors championship call were both out in q1 so they don't have to worry about looking behind unless something major happens in the race they just got to look at you know trying to close in on uh, on aston martin potentially as i think that's where the the battle is i don't think they'll never catch ferrari that's too far away but um they might catch Aston Martin because there's only one car scoring big points in that team. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, of course, a you know, damage limitation while still being in the top 10 um, for McLaren. Um, and I think that's a very good way of looking at it. Um, but, Jawad, uh, looking at the Mercedes, who um, have had a bit of a mixed bag, really. Um, Lewis Hamilton seemingly struggling throughout uh, qualifying today to just get that lap in. Um, and I think in all three practice sessions, um, like it was his final lap that ultimately was the better lap. But, you know, in this scenario, he's qualified P8, his teammates P4 after just slotting ahead of um, the slower Red Bull. Um, but yeah, what do you see Mercedes doing tomorrow? Um, yeah, tricky one, because I think echoing what Tom said about straight line speed and, you know, low down force setup. I think Mercedes are another team that perhaps struggling in that area along with McLaren. So, 
you know, for Hamilton, as I was saying earlier, it probably will be tricky trying to get past Albon, for example, but you never know. Um, they could try something with strategy. It should be a one-stop race and perhaps they could undercut uh, the car ahead. And, and for Russell, that was a, I guess, special lap that he put in in qualifying to be able to uh, get up onto the second row so you know he could easily just sit back and um wait to see if something happens ahead you know with with the the three cars ahead so it'll be interesting but i feel like you know it's going to be a bit challenging but they keep their heads cool they should be able to walk away with a good result and yeah you know perhaps just uh limit the damage because hamilton his fight is with Alonso in the drivers' championship, um, and at the moment he's ahead. At the moment, so yeah, well, and Russell, he's just got to finish a race because he's had what three DNFs now this season, and again last time out in Zandvoort, it was a bit of a messy race for him. So I think just seeing the checkered flag would be a good one for George. Yeah, absolutely. Just seeing the checkered flag after a very strange dnf last time out um yeah would be a good result for george russell and i mean just uh, finishing in the points at this point after you know not last time out that's what they need and russell ahead of hamilton so far this weekend let's see if it continues but the red bull sophia i didn't think we'd be talking about red bull just yet usually there's another you know five minutes or so before we inevitably get to them but Max Verstappen P2 um, ahead of his teammate who has changed his entire power unit due to an oil leak, um, who is in P5. First of all, four tenths of a second, the gap, Perez having the toe. Should that be the case? Oh, um, I, I, I think Max probably would have been in better to have the toe given that he has a proven track record for it he is the number one driver obviously there's a few kind of um post-race kind of interviews with some of the drivers and they're saying like the number one number two get to choose who goes first and who doesn't and it it's probably the case it just means that Perez just so happened to get Monza as to have the first pick um uh, but I think they should have kind of overrided and let Max get the toe for it because it is powerful. We see it all the time, not just in F1 and also in the junior series this weekend and everything. And given that Perez has not been performing well for the team compared to Max, he's not really on par or close to being on par with Max. They should have put their best driver to, to take the pole. And to be fair, there was chances that Max was going to take pole. Obviously, he topped Q1, he topped Q3, but uh, Q2. But just did it for Q3. I mean, I was watching it and it was like, obviously, Charles Leclerc was like top and that went the crowd wild. And then Max, and you could hear like the boo from it. And then obviously, Science came up and took the uh, took the pole position. But it was kind of shocking. I mean, Perez is just, he's just going, I hate to say downhill. Like, uh, free practice two, he had the crash. Um, FP3, he had the engine problem, which resulted for him to not even have a qualifying race simulation at all for it um with less than 10 minutes to go in the free practice so and he's just not been close to max or consistent to max p5 is kind of where he's been kind of staying at which is not what you want as a second driver to max in a red bull as well you want to have him p2 p3 but being consistently p5 is not 
yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of conversations. Obviously, like, there's been so much rumors in the silly season about Perez and if he's going to, like, if the, uh, if the contract will get cancelled, what would happen and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it's great because... I'm excited to see, and we haven't really talked about this, I want to see the monster curse be real. Um, <laughs> and I hope that is the case, and especially with the fact that Max is gunning for his 10th consecutive win. Um, he is P2. It, it should be interesting to see. Um, I mean, I don't wish Pond crashes and all that, but I would like to maybe see Max DNF to keep the curse alive. He's broken three curses already this season, so I, I feel like he's just pushing his luck on that kind of case. But Hopefully, yeah, I mean, Red Bull will be consistent. Let's be honest. They will be in top points if Max does finish. Um, I, I do see him winning, unfortunately, but which kind of goes back on what I've said. But um, I think Red Bull just, I, I, I just need Paris to kind of step up. And he's just not doing that, even returning after the summer break. Um, we'll see, because obviously these next couple of races are going to be a lot more challenging. And that's also going to show how much of a gap Perez is to Max and how great of a driver Max is as well. Yeah, and we may, we very much may get to the Monza curse in our post-show. Um, but first, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, you know, we do a post-show after our live episodes um, so if you are currently watching right now, stick around later um, for the post show. And if you are one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. And so then, Tom, we come to the home team, Ferrari, who've managed to put it on pole. We did spend most of the session unsure if they would uh, get to keep it because, you know, there is some, uh, well, for Monza this weekend, the stewards have, of course, um, imposed the rule of, you know, a lap between the uh, pit exit and the um, pit entry has to be 1 minute 41 seconds, I think it was. And surely we either know as to whether a team has gone above or beneath that because that's why it would get flagged. But, you know, we spent the whole session unsure about that. Um, we can talk about that later. But, you know, Ferrari on pole at Monza, um, did th was this something that we should have expected at the start of the session? Well, anyone who saw the, uh, the the preview episode should have expected it because I predicted it. And we all know that I always predict things correctly, uh, or at least I hope I do anyway, so I don't have to wear a sombrero and underwear at the end of the season. But uh, that's a different story. But no, I mean, I predicted it would be a Charles Leclerc um, pole position, but I, genuinely, I didn't think that he would be in the quickest car i just thought he was going to pull the magic lap out of the bag how he normally does and he almost did he was up he was up in um he was on provisional pole he looked like he had he set the fastest he set a purple first sector uh max did max things and uh and obviously uh, topped that out but carlos science has just been has just been phenomenal um all weekend really he's just been he's just been a step above all weekend he's really been hooked up to that car he's been he's been slamming it through the curbs and and watching the side by sides as well um for um for i think it was um i was watching on sky for a change and uh, anthony davison did a did a side by side of the two laps and it was it was really good to see actually and and the difference between the two drivers it was just it was so minuscule but just seeing that ferrari actually being quicker on the straights was was nice to see because as i'm sure we'll talk about later on that's uh, 
that's good. That's that's good for the race because if that Ferrari is quick in a straight line, they're not going to be a sitting duck on the straights. I don't think it's fast enough to defend against the awesome DRS, but um, especially if Carlos Sainz ahead or whoever's ahead doesn't have the DRS, then um, uh, or you know who you know, both drivers there don't have the DRS, it's going to be difficult to to defend against Verstappen in that scenario. But given that they use DRS for uh, for for qualifying. Um, and they're still that close to the Red Bull. That does bode well for the race, and I'm I'm quietly confident that there's going to be a race on tomorrow. I still think it's probably going to be a Verstappen win, but uh, I, I think there, there is going to be a race. But just a, a, a quick word out a um, just absolute peak Ferrari to uh, to put it on pole in Monza and be investigated for being too slow. That's just uh, just peak Ferrari all over. It absolutely is. Peak Ferrari. Um, so before we get on to some predictions for tomorrow, of course, today we did have a slight difference to the uh, qualifying structure, um, the qualifying structure that was supposed to come into play in Imola. Um, ultimately didn't because we didn't go to Imola um, because of the weather and then was tested in Belgium. But what it did mean was that for the Italian Grand Prix qualifying today, in Q1, drivers had to use the hards. They had to use new hards. Um, in uh, Q2, they had to use mediums. And in Q3, they had to use softs. Jared, I'll come to you first. Um, do you think that this is sort of like a good way of mixing up the grid a bit? We've still ultimately ended up with a very similar grid that we would normally have. But what it did mean was that cars, you know, weren't, you know, learning things about the softs in q1 for example yeah it certainly um excites things a little or makes things a little bit more exciting even if the results ended up being the same and you know they're quick to adapt you know they adapt always and that's the beauty of formula one sometimes but you know the reason i like the this new approach with the tires is the whole sustainability push and how pirelli have to cart you know thousands of tires across the globe and you know next year if we have 24 grand prix you know and how how do the tyres get um, recycled or how do they get uh, disposed of afterwards? You know, it, it's apparently not not great, you know, for the environment. So I think it's a great initiative that they've decided to take. And, you know, as far as the um, what we saw in qualifying today, yeah, there was, you know, Mercedes and Hamilton, they didn't seem to enjoy the tire compounds that they were using um, even right up until the end. And like we were saying earlier that it was, it wasn't until his final laps that he was able to get a lap in and whatnot. So um, it does create a interesting variable. It's not too dramatic of a change, which is good. Cause I'm sure if, if it really, really mix things up, there'd be people who'd be complaining. It's like, Oh, this is artificial, you know, qualifying's meant to be about who's quickest outright, but yeah, for what it is, Great little um, initiative, great from a sustainability point of view, but also, you know, if we if we see this implemented um, at all races next year, I wouldn't be um, against it. Yeah, and Sophia, following on from that then, um, to literally go with Jawad's last sentence ultimately, do you think uh, the FIA should implement this for every race next season? You know, I was just thinking about it. No. Um, and the reason why I think is 
because there's some tracks that have higher degradation than others. I understand doing it for some of the tracks that have low deg, but not for all of them. Um, I think while we're transitioning to it, it's going to take a while. It, to be fair, it might be that in the next, like, three years' time, it might be good enough to have all the races, but if we're introducing it into next season, it wouldn't be all the races. I would say maybe, like, a quarter of the races or a third of the races. That still significantly reduces the amount of... Um, uh, tires being allocated and transferred and obviously as mentioned about the recyclability of it as well and also reducing the cost as well for sending these tires especially tires that we don't really use all the time and look at um but we don't use the hards that often for a lot of the races um maybe one set at most so i understand reducing some of the um <clears throat> pretty much using the tires that we're not really using consistently at tracks um but I don't see it for all the races. I think I think if we're going to introduce it to next year, it should be maybe a quarter of the races and then quarter of the races that are close to each other as well by location. So I think that also kind of plays into a factor of it. But they also need to look at which tracks have the highest segregation because if we do that, it's going to make it quite difficult. And also, Nico Rosberg said on post-race uh, chats and everything, this diff- and I mentioned it earlier today as well, there's different breaks break balances and how the car is depending on what tires you use as well so in qualifying i feel like there's not enough time to kind of adjust your car especially if you only have one to two maybe push laps to do you only have like obviously you know your car you know these tracks but at the same time like that is a quick turnaround to like understand how this car breaks and sometimes especially rookie drivers might not know and they're still learning as well and it could result in some accidents so accidents um so it could be possible but i'm i'm glad they're going to that obviously with sustainable fuel um for 2027 as well and now with the tires i think they're making a positive direction for reducing their um carbon footprint yeah, and Tom Horrocks, just to um, come to you at the end as well. Um, we have, of course, had a comment from Jared Bradley who said that um, Pirelli are working on uh, new tyre designs that can be recycled as part of the new contract with F1. Um, do you have anything else to add um, in terms of, obviously, this tyre um, strategy with Quali? And, you know, like, should this format potentially replace sprints? Um, I'm not sure about replacing sprints, but um, uh, I'm very annoyed at Sophia for proving her point for science. That's that's very much annoyed me because I was ready to have an argument and there you go and disproving us. Um, now, I, I like it. Um, I'm not certain we'd want it for every race. I do think it's a I, I, I like uh, obviously the, uh, the 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 saving element of it. And and to be honest, I think they could do something a bit more with it where they, they make this a permanent fixture but they or at least a more regular feature but they they do something with the tires that they have to hand back maybe the like they they have to run a certain number of tires in practice but they don't have to hand them back because then they still have those tires available I, th- I don't see any why you should you know lose two sets of tires at the end of practice one lose two at the end of practice two why not put them back into circulation so at least they can use them in the race if they want to if they've only done a few laps on them or anything like that i i just don't see the point in in removing them out of the pot altogether um but yeah i i think it's i i'm a fan of um changing things we, you know we've got so many races now i think changing things up having different things for different races is a good way to go uh, i'm not against having a different qualifying format for the sprint in different races and 
even different qualifying formats in general, just for out, just try a few things out. I, I wouldn't even be against the elimination qualifying they brought in in 2016 to come in for a couple of events because that was just universally hated by the teams and they were never going to make it work. They just made themselves look stupid and didn't even try to uh, to make that work. And uh, I think if they'd have stuck with it, then they would have actually made it work and it would have been a decent addition. I still prefer the current format, but certainly on the odd occasion, that would be quite a decent uh, thing on the shorter tracks like your, you know, your Austrias and, and your and your Monsters. I think it'd be a good format. So yeah, I, I think um, I think it's a successful trial anyway, and it should be looked at further. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, elimination quality, you know, the the one thing they probably nailed with it was that like, you know, you had to be on track to, you know, deal with it. But the way that it works just meant that the actual application of it just didn't quite work very well. And of course, you know, like you say, they got rid of it very early, um, maybe a bit of finessing you know, could have been done if it had stuck around a little bit longer. Um, but, you know, F1 making predictions, who knows about those things. And talking about predictions, um, so Tom Horrocks, you've already made some predictions. So I'm going to start with you for the sake of, are you going to stick with them? Um, of course, in the preview, you said Verstappen, Norris and Sainz for your podium and your bold prediction being uh, Sergeant being P6. So you stick in with them. What's your uh, podium for tomorrow? You know what? Um, just, just to show I've got some conviction, I'm going to stick with them, but I'm going to change one thing. I'm going to stick with the Sergeant Bowl prediction because that's just a bit of craziness to throw in there. I'm going to stick with Verstappen for the win and Science for the podium with Leclerc nowhere to be seen, uh, probably in a barrier somewhere. Um, but then I'll, um, I'll, I'll sub out Norris for Russell. That's my predictions. Norris for Russell. Okay. <laughs> um. Of course, you weren't going to uh, like keep Norris when you said that you were going to change one thing. Jawad, your um, podium prediction for tomorrow, please. Oh, I'm going to be boring and say Max Verstappen for the win. Um, but Carlos Sainz will come home second and uh, let's say Leclerc third for at least two Ferraris on the podium will give something for the Tifosi to shout about and be happy. And your, and, po- bold, and your bold prediction. <laughs> uh, bold prediction, let's go both Alpha Tauris in the points for the first time this year. So they do end up having more points than drivers and Liam Lawson getting some points on the board as well. Absolutely uh, bold there. Um, Sophia, your podium prediction for tomorrow, please, and followed by a bold prediction. Oh, I really want the curse to be real. So I'm going to keep, I'm I'm going to say Science P1. I think, oh God. Um, I say Russell P2 and I say uh, Hamilton P3. I, yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit left center. I, I, you know, like you guys know me, I love my statistics and I love my curses, my like patterns. I the fact that this has happened four years in a row that says something that it is. I believe it is very much real. Most of the other curses are only like three times in a row. This one's obviously a lot more by one. Um, my board, I'm gonna go the same, and I also say Alpha Tori both in the points. I think Lawson will finish above Sonoda though in the points as well. Um, yeah, I think very similar. Um the ball but yeah i want this curse to be real i hope so (laughs) it'll be quite interesting there's a lot of fake 
in this curse um, currently happening. But um, Tom Horrocks, you are from Monkey Sea as well as being from Grid Talk. Where can people find it? You can find us on the socials at Monkey Seat Pods. So that's probably the best place to go. Um, and yeah, we we just you know we just chat rubbish about F one really. So come and give us a listen. Yeah, I definitely give it a listen. Very fun podcast to listen to. Um, and there may or may not be a, an episode or two with me. Um, whether that's by name or appearance, uh, just varies. Jawad, um, you are from Hit the Apex. Where can people find it? And you know why should they listen to it? Yeah, um, so the X handle is at Hit the Apex Media and it's on Apple, Spotify, Google, all the podcast platforms. I just talk about F1 and Supercars Championship here in Australia as well, Um, mainly just race reviews and talking points like that. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Also write some yeah. articles for this website called The Raw and live blogs for F1, so you can check that out as well. Lots of stuff from Jared there. Sophia, it has, of course, it's only Saturday and it's been a very big week for the Formula um, feeder series, um, but Formula Talk and EF1, uh, give us the uh, rundown. Yep, um, so you can see me with um ef1 we're on all social medias at join ef1 uh we have the website everything um f1.com we cover obviously f1 but also we cover the support series formula e when it was on indycar occasionally as well i primarily cover a lot of the f2 and f3 which also relates to formula talk where i host alongside tom downey and we discuss everything about the junior series and it's a weekly podcast and you can find us um, pretty much where you listen to grid talk it's the sister show of this um lots to cover for um this weekend coming we've just finished formula three um we it's been chaotic in formula two as well this weekend so i definitely give a listen when we go live next week absolutely wow um and yeah if you want to hear more from me you can find me on the socials at rubes or rubes 001 um but grid talk is available on youtube where most episodes are recorded live and uh if you are currently watching stick around because we'll be doing a bit of a post show but as well, you can get it on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal and Pocket Casts. Just search Formula on Grid Talk for our huge back catalogue of shows, previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. You can consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights and better recording equipment. And also make sure you subscribe so the first know when each new episode is released. And we'll be back tomorrow with our review of the uh italian grand prix race thank you very much for listening to the grid top podcast presented by bet online and goodbye <laughs>